When you're infected with the Peloton, there's only one cure. Welcome to the Pelotonitis Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Pelotonitis Podcast. My name is Anna. And I'm Jeff. And we're here to talk about the second week of the tour. I was like, is it the first week or second week? Second week. <laughs> week two. I've already forgotten. But as far as Pelotonitis podcasts go, yeah. What number is it? <laughs> it is a hundred. This is our my hundredth episode. <laughs> One hundred episodes. <laughs> that gets a bell ring. Come on. That gets cowbell. More cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> yes it is awesome. i haven't been around for all 100 <laughs> but this is congratulations to anna she's made it the full century mark 100 episodes i know i can't believe it it's I really good i can't believe that i kept her up this long <laughs> <laughs> i wish many others something have more quit. special to offer that's true that's true it's mainly my uh my dislike of giving up that has kept me going more than anything else and that's why we ride too i mean that's you know that's true just not gonna quit that's very true yeah i wish i had something more special to offer for a hundredth episode but <laughs> i don't you don't just... have contests and giveaways and all that stuff lined no up? i don't and sometimes i wish i did but i am just not quite clever enough for that or proactive enough either i'm not pro that's the real thing is that i'm not proactive enough <laughs> <laughs> and i'm just afraid that nobody would participate so oh that's the other reason <laughs> that's okay so um it's, it's week two right, so, of the tour wrap up yeah, rest day update two. all that good stuff it is again yeah it is again gonna be a wrap rest day wrap up uh, so there is a lot to talk about, I feel like, besides the, um, the, oh, besides the tour itself. So, hmm, kind of on an unpleasant note, there's been a lot of bad behavior by fans that I've been reading about and seeing tweets on and whatnot. More it's so very, than regular, you think? Oh, for sure. Like, they, some guys, oh, I think it was Froome said someone threw urine on him. Port said somebody punched him. Like, the Sky Riders are getting a lot of abuse. Right. And that was uh, following the big stage where they just crushed everybody. And then everybody I was think so. doubtful. And, but, I don't know. On the other hand, okay, I have two two bad jokes to make. Not even bad jokes, but just observations. You've got fans on the side of the road for hours and hours and hours drinking beer. And it's part of what makes the sport special is that you're so close and there's no stadium and it's no tickets and everybody's there. So, I mean, on one hand, you, you would think you'd be crazy not to expect bad behavior by some. But I think for the most part, people are there to have a good time and they get it. And so it doesn't get talked about that much. 
but I think it happens. And my impression. My oh, my other bad point was after, you know, ten hours of drinking beer. As far as getting urine poured on you, it's really just beer getting poured on you. So, yeah, it's about the same. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, I feel. I mean, you do have a point. They're out there, especially like on the climbs. They're drinking a lot of beer. They're just hanging out, being drunk, whatever. But. I feel like when they cause trouble otherwise, it's sort of innocent trouble. Oh, they're kind of stumbling in the road. They're putting their flag too close to your face. Or they're like touching you or pushing you or when you don't want to be. This seems like malicious drunk. Right. No, it's... It, it, it feels like they're up there drinking and they spend all this time talking about how much they hate Sky and how much they hate Froome and they think he's a doper and whatever. And so they just spend this whole time just like stewing in this hate and then they're drinking on top of it and egging each other on. And then, you know, once they get up there, it's like anger. It's not just like, let's have good fun. Oops, I did something wrong. It's, I genuinely hate you. Right. Then why are you sitting out there for so long? That's, you know, I get the I soccer I hooligan mean, mentality. Know. And yeah, everybody gets each other worked up. But, and I'm not saying these guys are not out of hand. Whoever's doing this stuff is completely wrong and my hope would be that the fans around him would kind of take care of it as much as they can but yeah what can you uh, do i just think it's rude and i don't i don't know i think agree. no matter how much you hate somebody or how much you think you don't like somebody i mean they don't even know Froome. they don't even know what he's done or what he hasn't done <laughs> but they just have this and I've read a lot of places the one of the quote problems is that Froome is just not very charismatic he I think his problem in that sense is similar to Wiggins because Wiggins is not charismatic he's not that good with people he's kind of an introvert he just kind of wants to do his own thing he looks really especially Froome looks really awkward on the bike he's not that much fun to watch I don't know I just so I think a lot of, you know, whereas like Contador, people say the same thing about Contadors. People said the same thing about Nibali. Whenever you're winning, people are saying this. Right. But the right. easy the thing is, is that, you know, Contador and Nibali are really likable, you know, and they're both really fun to watch on the bike. But I think because Froome is, his personality is a little bit less friendly slash he's on a team that does not have. I don't want to say they have a bad reputation, but I think a lot of people don't really like Team Sky. It's just a lot of things together. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really unfortunate. And that kind of leads into that article we read. There was a great commentary, um, a great basically op-ed um, on Velo News by John Bradley yeah. about Froome called On Froome and Not Knowing. And just kind of this idea that we don't know what we don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. And... And you don't know either. Right. It's... It's hard to... Had a really good point that in the past, I don't, I I don't want to say it was easy to catch cheats, but it perhaps was easier... 
you know, especially this whole idea of this reasoned decision, it was easy to go back and look at all the evidence and, you know, like hard evidence, not just speculation, but people actually coming forward and say, yes, I saw X, person X doing such and such. But how you long know, did saw... we wait for that, though? Yeah, years, years and years and years. Right. To get and the hard evidence. I think the problem is that now doping is so if it's happening and it probably is is it's happening at a much subtler level and it's a lot harder to catch because they're microdosing or I don't know what else they're doing but it's not as obvious as injecting yourself full of EPO or doing massive blood transfusions you know yeah I mean, they were pretty so sneaky back then, too. That's why it took so long. And some yeah, people had like, to do it's vocals. A lot to... harder, it's a lot harder to conceal blood doping than it is to conceal, like, a microdosing. And if it's a team-organized sponsored doping, that's a lot easier to see than it is, like, if it's an, one individual kind of doing his own thing and doping, you know? Right, right. So so what did you think of the article as far as where you stand and where he stands? I I'll think it's spot on in terms of how I believe. Um, I don't know. I, I really, it, it was very uh, similar to kind of how I feel. We just, you just see speculation after speculation after like, I don't know. I just, to me, it just feels so, I don't want to say useless, but I feel like a lot of this conversation happening on Twitter, it's not adding anything into the conversation. Right, right. And I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't talk about doping on social media. I'm not saying we shouldn't, like, call it out when we see it. But there's a big difference to me between just saying doping may be happening and that looks suspicious and then, like, analyzing every pedal stroke and like taking everything as 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 a suspicion as doping as building your case against writer x yeah yeah it's this idea that you know you had kind of had a note or or was that quote from the article my evidence that someone's not doping is just as weak as your evidence that someone is yeah, and, and that's that's what I see going around on Twitter is everybody is so self-righteous as in, in what they see and what they believe. And it's like, on the other side, you can say the same thing. That, well, you know, this writer isn't because of, you know, this performance wasn't as strong as this other one. He looked more human or, he, you know, his results aren't always up there. You know, that doesn't mean anything either. But it's kind of what we look at and we hope for when we when we see, you know, when somebody's winning all the time and just crushing everybody all the time, there's going to be those athletes that come along and dominate the sport for a certain period, and we'll never know if they were enhanced or not. Yeah. Um, but when you see somebody that's, you know, high and low and, and hot and cold and all that, you kind of go, well, that guy could be you know, a good day, a bad day. It could be 100% natural. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, put a link to the article because 
when I read through it, it was like, okay, if I could write, this is exactly how I could put it down because it's, it's the not knowing and the whole, okay. So for 10, I don't know, more years than that, there was just all the suspicion and all the accusations and everything postal and Lance and everything of, you know, all the Europeans were like, you're an idiot to think he's clean. And everybody else is like, well, he's passed all the tests and all that stuff. And the Americans were all behind him and, and all that. And I just, it's like, until you have the evidence, you know, and you just don't know. And it just bums me out when, when that whole accusation side, you know, thinks they know something. Um, but they really don't. And so after Sky's performance that day and everybody's suspicions were raised and all that, and, you know, everybody else seemed to have a bad day and he didn't. And uh, why is that? It's like it just, what that does is it throws me back into that whole 10-year period and think, you know, do we have that to look forward to now? Is that all going to come back to us again, this whole, the not knowing? You know, that's that to me is the the bummer side of it. I think that the answer is yes we're in that era as john said in his article the only way to avoid suspicion now is to not win so i think if you're in the yellow jersey you are going to get asked questions about doping and people on twitter the armchair critics and the armchair coaches they're gonna have a lot to say and they're gonna think they know and they're gonna you know both sides are gonna be gathering you know quote evidence to support their story Mm-hmm. And I just think that's just how it is now. And as Froome has said, you can't prove a negative. So, it, you know, all the he may say, here's all the here's all the here's all the quote proof that I'm not doping. While the people on the other side are going to be actually, here's how what this is is actually proof that you are doping. Right. You know. Right. So it's a no-win situation. <laughs> And in my opinion, you either have to kind of accept that as we don't know what we don't know and doping could be happening and probably is happening and we're not going to know until maybe 10 or 15 years down the road, if we're lucky, Mm -hmm. and just kind of accept that as part of part and parcel of the sport. But keep asking questions. Oh, and keep developing tests and keep, you know, trying to figure out ways right yeah i don't have any desire to do that to keep questioning everything and everybody because i find that exhausting but if other people want to do that that's fine and i think it's important to keep the fire on but (sighs) so you either kind of have to accept that as part that it could be part of cycling or you have to just be like i can't stand the thought of not knowing and i assume everybody's doping and i can't enjoy it anymore and i'm just done right right which i think some people have done Mm-hmm. So I think kind of along those same lines, it's kind of interesting that um, Jalobert has uh, made some <laughs> is uh, very in all of this is very interesting. Um, he definitely made some strong insinuations. Oh, what did he say? Um, you know, he said he's on another planet even. Um, what else? I don't know. It was very suggestive that he thinks that 
you know, he didn't come out right and say, hey, I think he's doping, but he was kind of saying all the things that made it sound like, yeah, yeah, I think he's doping. It's surreal and to see just how superior Froome is with all that super astonishing style, turning the legs with the phenomenal rate on gradients touching 15%. We saw all of them explode one after the other like popcorn with time losses verging on the ridiculous in some cases. Nibali, the defending champion, lost more than four minutes. <laughs> that, right. blah, 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 blah. I mean, I know. Well, first you've of seen four-minute gaps on a mountain finish hundreds of times. He he tried to deny that he ever said that <laughs> when, um, you know, he said it on the radio where they, you know, record these things for posterity. <laughs> He's like, oh, I never said that. And I was just like, riffing. Actually, yeah. you did, and we can prove it. Um, it was really interesting to like Jalabert has never been one. He's never confessed about his past, even though he's been. Um, it's known, you know, that he was doping. You know, retroactive testing. So I found EPO in some of his samples. Team Anse. That's all. That come on. <laughs> right, exactly. There I go. I'm gonna flip. It just seems flip like around and go 100. I don't know. 180 from where I was just 10 minutes ago. <laughs> right. Like shaking your finger at someone for potentially doping when you clearly did it during your career. Like how that's do we know, Anna? Like hugely we don't know. critical. Huh? <laughs> we don't know what we don't know. We don't. No, I'm just saying. If he genuinely thinks Froome doped, for whatever it is, like for him to be shaking his finger at him, like you should not have doped. That's very bad. I mean, come on. That's just. <laughs> ugh, that just ugh, hypocrisy like that just makes me so angry. <laughs> what does hypocrisy like that just makes me so angry? And well, we don't know that Jalabert doped, but we do. But we don't. Yeah, we do. <laughs> they have those retroactive testing show doping samples. Right. And right. from his old doping samples has EPO in it. So, like, for him, we legitimately do know that he doped mm. because we have hard evidence. Right? So, right. like, who is he to go wagging his finger at other people for doping? Without – it's one thing. It's one thing if you're going to confess everything. You know what? Yeah, I did dope. It was bad. I feel terrible. I'm going to try and make the sport better. Then, okay, fine. You can go wag your finger at someone for doping. But if you're not even going to own up to what you did, yeah, like just yeah. go sit in the corner and be quiet. Yeah, if you admit and Ugh. then bring something that helps, you know, move the conversation along, like, you know, this is what I did and this might be what they're doing or they could be doing this because I've seen right. this happen before. You know, contribute exactly. something. That's one exactly. thing. Exactly. But, but like what you're saying. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. So, He's French yes. and the French do nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure mm-hmm. They don't. Okay. All right. Let's done with that. Done with that. <laughs> moving, um, moving on. on. Thank you. Moving on. So here's a question for you: Who do you think would be worse as a team boss, Oleg or Zeno? <laughs> wow. <laughs> who, who would you? Who would you send your kid to ride for? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I would pick Vino over Oleg. I, I, I would, too. I would, too. <laughs> no, I would, I mean, too. Because Vino maybe, grew up uh, through it maybe. and raced. Oleg, to me, is the Donald Trump of Russian cycling. <laughs> yes. But with 
slightly better hair. <laughs> <laughs> slightly. But, yeah, I, I mean, mean... this hair is not that great. He comes in with money and solves problems with money and yeah. figures out how to make a profit and markets himself. I mean, he gets his name or his bank's name in front of everybody as much as he possibly can. That's his job. You know, where, where Vino was a racer, he's a little more passionate about it. He says stupid things, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like Alexander better. I I know. I, I guess I respect I too, him more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Between the two. But I don't I don't blame Oleg for what he does and how he does it. That's you know that's just his style. Well, yeah, I probably don't either. And it's working for him. Yeah. I guess. And we need clowns in this crazy circus. <laughs> I know. I guess it probably takes the heat off of Vino a little bit. <laughs> well, I guess they're acting ridiculous. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh jeez. Alright. Uh Let's move on to the actual racing. Hey, there's a race going on. All this shit. <laughs> hey, hey. Let's talk about some fun things again. So what do you normally expect out of week two? Uh, climbing, generally. I don't Fighting. know. This feels like a real typical week two to me. Or feels like a good week two. Yeah. I think, they're, you know, first you know, week we were surprised at how much action had happened. And this yeah. week. I don't think disappointed all that much. I mean, from stage to stage, I thought, okay, this is going to be the boring stage where nothing really happens. And then something happened. For the most part. Right. Right. It's not like, I don't know, the most exciting um, thing I've ever read. Or, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I kind of wish there would have been more climbing. Okay. But... It was okay. It was good. It had some interesting stages in there. Uh, but it did have a good... I mean, it was, like, very typical. Like, there really wasn't... I mean, it was climbing, but it didn't seem, like, super duper intense, you know? Right, right. I don't know. Which is good, though, I think, for a second week. Like, it seemed like it's such... It seems like such a balanced tour. I guess it's it got like, me this with... this week it's gonna be... The, the shocker coming out of you know, the rest day. Usually the after the rest day, either something happens or nothing happens. Yeah. Um, right. And this was that w- <laughs> a huge fireworks of a, of a finale. I thought. It really, really was. You're absolutely right, though. Sometimes after the rest day, like, we're like, it's going to be amazing. And everyone's just like, no, thanks. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know if it was bad because not bad for everybody else just because it was after the rest day. So they're all like, I can't do anything. But, man, Broom, he put a stamp. He put a stamp right on it. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. But yeah, everybody I mean. attacked him. I mean, everybody took their shot, you know, for that day and that style of climbing. But he just never yeah. was without an answer for it. I would agree. Yeah, it kind of like it was attack, attack, and then he was like, you know what? I'm tired of all you of all you clowns i'm getting out of here (laughs) (laughs) so then he just raised up the mountain oh boy i mean nibali was the worst off by far he lost like four minutes right um quintana was really the only one who didn't totally explode right um 
he wasn't able to keep up with him, but he was he lost the least amount of time. He was the best at reeling him back. <laughs> TJ held when, when Froome finally went. Yeah, I mean Froome's yeah. thing was <gasps> right. Sorry, he had he had his team with him for so long. Um, was it Thomas and Port were up there forever? Yeah, that other guys were trying to attack, and he still had guys to help, you know, reel them in. And then finally, when he went, I know, you know, yeah, the only guy that could really match him at all was Quintana, and TJ was struggling, but he hung there. He did. TJ was impressive. Like he um, actually was in second on the day, but I think that was just because he was so far ahead of Quintana to begin with that that's why he was able to stay in second. Um, so really. I think TJ held on. Wait, it was it was more like TJ held on to a second place, whereas Quintana just jumped up so many, jumped up a lot of places. Right. Uh, so I had a thought after so, that day. Yeah. Um. Kind of like a little epiphany about TJ. And mm-hmm. so before the race started, we were looking at articles talking about, you know. If TJ wants to get on the podium, who's he got to knock off out of, you know, Contador, Quintana, or Nibali? Right? Yeah. So I look at all the contenders after that day, and I'm thinking, okay, Quintana's attacking because he wants to overtake for him. Contador's attacking because he wants to overtake for him. And they're blowing themselves up, and TJ's looking at us like, I'm just getting on the podium, guys. And that's my goal. <laughs> and if that was his goal at that point, and the other guys are going for the win and killing themselves to win, and his whole goal is just, you know, to be on the podium, that's kind of a smart way to race in that field because you could end up doing better than somebody else that's blowing themselves up for the win. I don't know how it'll play out through the Alps, but it just kind of hit me that day. It's like, wow, if you had that in your mindset of this is my goal for the whole tour you know one is getting on the podium and another guy is to beat Froom. after that day it's like i'd rather be racing just to get on the podium and not have the pressure of you know the yellow jersey which i think contador has put it on himself um and quintana i think dreams of so it's it's gonna be rough it's gonna be yeah. brutal and i think uh, and tj's shown signs of not being a hundred percent there with the other guys, but if he rides smart, you know, he could get through this third week. Yeah. What do you think? I think part of it too is that Nibali and what's certainly in his favor, I think, is that Nibali and Conchador are so off their form. Yeah. That they're hardly competition at this <laughs> point. I mean I, don't I think count that Contador out is his ever though. He, no, he no, can turn it on and crush it in a day. Yeah, what is he at right now? He's at um. Uh, where is he right now? Well, I guess he's only in fifth. Yeah, about four twenty-three. So he's almost like. Yeah, he's like a minute behind TJ. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh. I didn't. 
Oh, I thought I couldn't find Quintana on there, and I was like, oh my god, he's dropped out of the top ten, but Quintana's now in second. <laughs> yeah. Did not realize that. Yeah, he's been uh, eking out little bits of time all along. Yeah, yeah. Hmm, impressive. So, right. So it feels like everybody but um everybody but Froome had a bad day on Pierre Saint Martin. <laughs> and Port. This seems sort of the day sort of that wrote the Yeah. This seems to be the day that sort of wrote the history of the tour, you know, for this year. Mm-hmm. Um right, so then it's stage eleven. A friend of mine messaged me that day and win. said, So who do you like in the Vuelta? <laughs> Oh, God. Are they joking? <laughs> it's like, oh, this is over. This is done. Wrapped. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Yeah, it was that, it was that dominant <laughs> of a performance, so. I mean, yeah. There's, I don't see there's any way that Froome now, I don't see any way that Froome doesn't win. Unless, the only way is, unless he has like a big old crash. Bad, Otherwise. Bad things happen. Serious. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, right, so stage 11, it was a solo win by Rafa Maika from Astana. Uh, what I thought was interesting, <laughs> Valverde was very interesting because he just keeps putting in these little digs onto Froome like here there here there just like trying to get and every time Froome was like I don't think so and brings him right back again this is really interesting because I mean he did it on stage 11 let's see uh, he did it on 12 uh, what else any of the any anytime there's any climbing anytime he gets a chance he'll he's and it's so much 100%, like even when they're like riding right next to each other it's so much like uh uh bernardino and lamon with him and quintana <laughs> but it's like i'm an attack and i'm helping you quintana by weakening up these other guys i'm helping you but all along, he's mm-hmm. inching his way up there, and it's like maybe he's going for that third podium spot if he thinks he can get Quintana on the second, or he can get the second if Quintana fades. You know, he's always keeping his eye on his own, you know, GC battle. So, yeah, he's taking every opportunity. Oh, he can. is. Yeah. Oh, he is. There's no question about that. Uh, all right. So. But yeah, it was the, in, I don't have anything else to say about it that. It was just stage. the day after the huge dominant performance and the break got away and they let him go and Micah took off from the break. Dan Martin got second. That was that, kind of exciting. Bokler oh. was finally up in the break. That made me happy. Wow. I didn't even know that. I didn't even I hadn't even noticed that Martin got second. I didn't oh, yeah. I wasn't I didn't watch that stage. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Martin's got a lot of seconds. So, so yeah. Far. Yeah. Huh? Dan Martin's got a lot. Martin, of, yeah. Yeah. Him and him and Sagan alike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it looks like all of the guys came together, like Froome, Contador, Quintana, Van Garder, and they all came in at the same time. Right. So you're right. It was just sort of like a sit and 
sit back and just watch it happen. So Everybody kind of took their little digs, and it was the day of attacking where you go up the road 10 feet and turn around and look, and that that just drives me nuts. <laughs> My wife's tired of me screaming at the TV. I know. <laughs> turn around. I, like, <laughs> I, I tweeted, I was like, they would really save a lot of energy if they just got some uh, helmet, vi- helmet uh, mirrors. Uh-huh. If, like some mirrors to put on their helmet because then they wouldn't have to be turning around all the time it's like you're really wasting a lot of energy yeah yeah they should <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely uh be part of the style right uh yeah they could they could sneak one on the inside of their glasses i do <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the style police would definitely not have anything to say about that. Yeah. All right. Stage 12 was Rodriguez. And I heard he won. And then I watched. And then I realized he won in a, like, an attack. And I was like, okay, this seems like a not normal way for Rodriguez to win. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those where. I was expecting. <laughs> it, it looked like it was a break day. You know, let him go and let him have the stage. And it was a little lumpy, but I guess all the commentators were saying how hard the final climb was. Um, and so it really suited Rodriguez, and he was in the break and just killed it. And it was a miserable day, lots of rain, lots of there was hail. So that might have helped them as well. If the weather is bad, then mm-hmm. they might have the break, or the peloton is usually less interested in chasing if the break is or if the weather's really terrible um yeah that was a, that was also an interesting stage because that was another one a lot of attacking just going on and going like um you know Froom and Quintana especially were just kind of attacking each other a lot right right um Bert was not attacking but he was staying with them you mm-hmm. know every time they kind of go he, he would claw the claws way back up to them uh, but, you know, he wasn't in any shape to actually attack, but, you know, held his own. Um, but Quintana and Froome were definitely, <laughs> you know, kind of poking each other a lot, just testing each other out, you know. Yeah, TJ and Contador and, were just kind of marking marking time. Yes, TJ was impressive because he was uh, – I thought Garrett Thomas was really impressive because he was able to stay with the attacks too. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't like in the front or bringing the back or anything, but you know, he would eventually wake, make his way back. And I was like, oh, that was pretty impressive to me. <laughs> and it was similar to TJ. Like, he wasn't able to, he wasn't attacking or like bringing any attacks back, but you know, he was able to kind of keep it, keep it together enough to stay with them, which I think is, was important. On was it stage. impressive or was it too impressive? <laughs> It was just impressive enough. We need a 60 minutes investigation. <laughs> oh, gosh. Was it impressive or was it yeah. murder? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> was it impressive or what? Well, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> was it impressive or was it doping? <laughs> Worse than murder. Worse than murder. <laughs> or was blood behind the whole thing? <laughs> yeah blood bags <laughs> oh boy so that was a fun stage to watch i mean rodriguez okay boring whatever he i mean okay he won it was great but it was just sort of this breakaway which are always like a, a tiny bit boring 
but back in the main group it was kind of interesting to sort of watch these all these players kind of like test each other out like nothing really happened but it was kind of fun to watch them poke and prod at each other and see see how they were doing yeah yeah (laughs) man stage 13 that was uh that was an intense stage that was definitely tense watching that the finish uh yeah. Or the whole stage. Well, the finish. Yeah, the finish. <laughs> oh, the whole stage was no boring. But like the last um Well it was it was just like you thought it what was Kelderman, DeGent, and Gautier were up in front with the three of them and it looked like they were gonna make it. Um that and that climb just kept going. I mean it wasn't very steep, but it was steep enough and it just kept going and going and going and I was like, Oh my god, I can't believe it's still going. And then it looks like maybe, maybe those three are going to make it to the line, like, literally. But then the camera <laughs> it looks away, and then it looks back. It's like the Peloton is, like, right there. The next thing you, you know. The pel- yeah. like, <laughs> right. It was just like, oh, I guess not, you know. And then <gasps> first uh, Arnold DeMar jumped, and then GVA went behind him, and then Sagan kind of followed. And it was just, like, brutal watching them try and sprint up that little incline it was unbelievable it was the forever sprint but Sagan just it really I even Sagan even said that he's like it just went on forever (laughs) it looked like it (laughs) he just and he even admitted that he sat down when when he bridged when Sagan followed Ben Evermatt instead of keeping attacking after he passed him or as he when he caught up to him right he's kind of just sat on his wheel and that was all in the last right kilometer away. right and he's like that yeah 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 so i mean that was the last like 500 meters yeah yeah it was yeah. so close um and and so he was kicking himself he's like if i had just gone if i just kept going full gas right away he's like i probably would have won and that but one to me looked like he was the stage that i thought he could have caught tony martin and just kind of sat up a little bit and then later he said he was tired so it looked and so my my bad joke on that was between him and van avermont who's got more second places so it was really a battle to see who could get second place so second won that one you're not right you're not yeah (laughs) sorry second one second (laughs) (laughs) come on it's van avermont uh yeah i just like part of me is Maybe maybe Sagan's overthinking it. Like I'm just wondering as he like It's it's weird. I don't know if he's overthinking or if he doesn't care. Yeah. I just part of me feels like he's overthinking it mm-hmm. too much. And he's putting I don't know. Before it felt a bit more like every time it was just sort of instinct. He's like, Oh, I just knew I had to go. And this time I just feel like Maybe he feels more pressure, so he's like, oh, I got to think it through. I have to be smart, you know, and really just got to go. He listened to the first half of this podcast and said, if I win all the time, if I win all the time, they're going to think I'm doping. (laughs) That was was Slovakian (laughs) and Speedy Gonzalez mixed together. No. Sorry. Oh, that was terrible. That's why I'm not doing well, it anymore. Well, kind of was it was kind of his voice and kind of his like it has to be more Italian, but it's like a weird like Italian 
slash Slovakian English. <laughs> Very weird. But I, I mean, just, for I years he learned he much. knew how to win. For years he got first place a lot. You know, think of all our I just think that was finish a- line dance moves that we had. I think he was, it was pure, more pure instinct. You know, he's coming into his own. He's like, oh my God, I can win. And he was like, <laughs> I'm just going, I'm just going, I'm taking everything. Yeah, 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 eat that, you know, eat my dust. But I just think now he's maybe feeling more pressure. He has a bigger contract. He's on a bigger team. Oleg is certainly putting more pressure on him. So he's like, oh my God, I can't fuck this up. You know, so maybe he's... I really, I don't know. I really think he's overthinking it now. Okay. He's just like, I got my tactics, you know? I think it's better when he kind of goes on pure instinct more than when he tries to, like, strategize too much. And for years, I thought he's you just calculated out, if I get second all the time, nobody can beat me because nobody can get first all the time. Which, right. you know, for the points jersey, that works. But to yeah. be that close on I mean, so many times, and it looks like he... Oh, he can do it, but he doesn't. So and I guess we'll take him at his word that he just runs out of gas at the finish. I think so. Because I mean, he's doing, yeah. I mean, look at all the work he's doing all the whole race. He's either in a break or he's, you know, working for somebody else. Yeah, true. I don't know. I think he, I don't know. <laughs> He's a mystery. I think, honestly, I think he's okay. I think he likes having the green jersey, but part of me feels like he would perhaps rather have <laughs> a lot of stage wins. Okay. But obviously that's not going to happen. Uh, All right, stage 14 was also kind of an exciting finish. Um, Steve Cummings <laughs> kind of taking it right out from underneath the two Frenchmen. Oh, that was... <laughs> <laughs> hey, look who's here. Yeah. Look who hey, just hey. went by. The Pino. <laughs> okay, so Pino and Bardet escaped out of the uh, escape rope. Then uh, it's a little unclear what happened, but perhaps they were just looking at each other too much. Bardet said he didn't really have enough in his legs to help Pino. Pino was like, we just didn't work well enough together. But whatever happened. Cummings came out of the chase group as well, bridged them, and then he did not stop for a second when he reached him. He was like, adios, dudes, and just and jetted off. It yeah. was like, it was almost kind of comical. They're like, wait, <laughs> where did he come from? <laughs> yeah. What do we do now? Because you look at, so it was we a huge break, right and you look at the guys in it, and you think, okay, it's a long climb to the finish, and then it flattens out, you know before the line so it's going to get one on the climb and you look at that group and you go okay there's these two skinny french guys that are going to go up the hill faster than anybody else so they probably got this and you know because everybody's looking at Sagan and some of the other all around guys Van Avermaet was up there Uh, Simon Yates and you know and just the, the money's on the two skinny french guys duking it out for the finish and they thought the same thing <laughs> they, they just they started well, battling themselves and then they thought oh we got this huge lead who's gonna win and then they sat and looked at each other i think that's part of it and also i think it's that 
they really i think i think coming had had the had the element of surprise oh definitely like, because yeah. he just kind of shot right past them like they just didn't even have time to react and by the time they did react it was too late oh he was fully so wound up yeah <laughs> yeah yeah 100 percent. it was kind of i felt a little bad for them that they just kind of let that slip through their fingers <laughs> i did but i don't know no it also seemed weird that they, nobody told them on the radio. Like, there wasn't anything on the radio? Like, was he that far back? I don't know. I don't know. It seemed weird. That, um... Maybe they're not getting that much information. There wasn't more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or maybe it happened so fast it just never got a chance to get relayed to them. All right. Stage 15. Gripeball. This was a weird one where it was, like, really front-loaded with a bunch of climbs, and then it was flat. Flat, flat. Yeah. But those climbs must have been a bitch because it there was a groupetto with base with the majority of the sprinters. <laughs> so it was actually kind of perfect for Greipel, you know? I mean he seems like strong enough that he could get over the climbs. He so I think that, that day he impressive. was determined to pick up some more green jersey points because Sagan's been scooping so many. I think he's still he's interested so in that. <laughs> Yeah, but I also think yeah. that that big Gruppetto formed early because it's halfway through and there's a bunch of tired guys and yeah. they just said, "Yeah, screw it." And later we learned that Cav I think had that was right. Well, bad tummy troubles the whole night and wasn't feeling too on top of his game, so he probably wasn't ready. He had to just, what? He had like tummy troubles the whole night. Aw. Yeah. Poor boy. <laughs> <laughs> Got some bad clams. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, I think that it really, it probably was. Well, I, from what I saw on Twitter, like the second climb was pretty, the cut too was pretty terrible. So, right, I they were like, forget it, we're not contesting it, unless they, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be break or a really strong sprinter that's gonna get it. So that's why it's Sagan, I think, could have. Was he in the Gruppetto or Sagan? Was he up no, there? No, he was up there. Or did he get second again? I, he might have got second, second that second day. Again? I th <laughs> no, I think he <laughs> I got, actually, I think he got third. Somebody else, uh, who was it that got second? Uh, Christoph was up there. Shoot, I don't have the results for that day right there. I don't, I, Sorry I don't either. That. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, but, um, good, but it I was, think it would have been a good stage for Sagan. But yeah. Greipel has been very, very impressive. Like he's, he's been super impressive, I think. He's fast. Um, yeah, he's just really on his game this year. He's really on. It's impressive. I mean, it was a fun sprint. There All were right. yeah, Sagan was up there because he was bumping elbows with somebody. Oh right, Vargi. Yeah. Didn't he kind of like hip check Vargi a little bit? Oh yeah, that was that was kind of scary to watch. Yeah, that and, and it wasn't huh. anything out of the ordinary. Um, it wasn't dirty. Um, no. Um, no, no, shoot. no, I don't think so. Uh, Matthews was a little pissed afterwards because he got checked by somebody. Um, I, I forget see. who. Yeah. I bet but they went and had words, and it's like, oh, great. This is going to be one of those little slap fights after the finish line. But it didn't turn into that. And I think, <laughs> you know, they're just tired. It's It's been a long two weeks, and... Yeah, I cut him some slack. 
Yep. <laughs> no, no, I know. It's but he, I mean, the impressive thing about Matthews uh, is after his injuries, he's back up there and ready to mix it up. So that's that's true. That's good. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. He was very impressive in that sense. Then very impressive in that yeah. sense that he was able to kind of get back up there. Yep. Wow. Totally forgot about that. Uh, all right, Sage 16, that was today. Um, it was a breakaway winner. Huge. Oh, man, this, this is the day of the huge breakaway. Two. Yeah. Yeah, it was a huge breakaway. Oh, man, that was kind of a heartbreaker. <laughs> um, so did Molina, did he come out of the breakaway then? Sorry, who's that? The guy who won. Uh, yes. Molina? A plaza? Yeah. Wait, how do you... Oh, plaza, is that his... Ruben Plaza. Go by plaza? Pla- plaza, okay. plaza. Sometimes they have, like, plaza. Yeah, plaza. Yeah, a lot of Spanish guys have, like, three names, and I never know which one to call them by sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, was he in the breakaway? Was plaza in the breakaway? Did he yeah, come out? Yeah, the whole breakaway okay. finished, like, seven minutes before everybody else. Whoa. Uh, yeah. So it was this huge breakaway that Sagan got into. A lot of really big names. A lot of names, actually. Surprisingly big names um, were in it. And Sagan was like, oh, I'm going to get this mother. But then I wasn't really paying that much attention during the stage today. So it was the, so the really hot day into way. Gap and the roads were sticky and the whole remembrance of Balaki wiping out all that stuff. Um, Adam Hansen was up in the break. He looked like he was going to take a flyer for a little bit and get you and I some points. And then he finished 18th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, respectable. <laughs> but let's see. Nibali and Contador came in at... Uh, oh, Nibali took a flyer off the main group. That that was the excitement of the day. Oh, I do remember that. <laughs> yes. Because really it's that. It was a big... It was that big climb all the way up and then it was a bit huge downhill. Right. And so... Sagan I remember I predicted so somebody impressive. like Nibley could make up some time on that downhill in the gap. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Sagan immediately, even from the first descent, was showing no fear. It's like, I'm going. So it's like, oh boy. And he tried so hard. He was climbing so well up that last climb. But my impression was that nobody was really helping him. <laughs> I think everyone, it's that whole idea of like, we don't want to help him because we don't want to drag him to the line because then he's just going to beat us. Right. So I think Sagan had to do a lot of that himself. Yeah, everybody and else was kind of pissed that he was up there. He just <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Simon Yeshka. Whatever. Yeah. Yeshka was he was the beard the bearded I one. I think he was a little pissed. Yeah. Yeshka, I don't know. It's like I we're not going to help you. <laughs> Why would we help you? Right. It was the same thing, you know, like <laughs> you're too good. It's not that same like Fabian Cancellara, like, you know, of Paradox. <laughs> <laughs> you think we're You stupid? get up there and then nobody wants to help you, but you can't do it by yourself. Exactly. Right. Uh, but he just chased so, so hard to Plaza to try and catch him. But just 30 seconds too, too slow on the climb. Yep. So he was second again. But he seemed upset sad but not you know I don't know I think he felt better on that stage because he had done everything that he could do whereas on the other stages like he made some tactical errors that kind of cost <laughs> him a win whereas this one he like tried I mean he legit tried everything he could to win and just couldn't quite get there so 
he probably feels best about this stage, this loss than any of the others, I would imagine. Oh, this was a huge so. effort. Yeah. Yeah. He's good sure. though. Yeah. GC yeah, all came so... in together. I mean, except for Nibali who made up, let's see about 25 seconds or so. Hey. And he's eight minutes down or something like that. So. Yeah, <laughs> need a little bit more. He's not out of this yet, as Phil would say. He's not out of it yet. Yeah, I don't know about that. So now we have one week left. Um, the Alps, the big stages coming up. Alp d'Huez will be a the circus. Sprinting stage, <laughs> as it usually is. Yeah. Yeah. If you're on the Alpe d'Huez, I don't know. I don't keep your pee to yourself. Or find a bush. Oh please, yeah. Don't throw it at him. Be polite. Don't spit. Oh, no spitting. Oh, oh. I wanted to ask. No spitting, definitely. Oh, I wanted to ask because today, um, Bargy kind of went. He kind of, I don't know. He says that TJ bumped into him, and then he bumped into um. Uh, Garrett Thomas. Mm -hmm. I'm just and like literally knocked him over the side of the road. Luckily, it wasn't like a ravine or anything. But I'm just thinking, like, what's the protocol for that? Is there like an <laughs> expectation, like, if you knock somebody off, you should stop and make sure that, like, if you are legitimately the cause of knocking someone else off their bike, is there like an expectation that you go back, or is it really just every man for himself? Because Bargui like didn't even spare a second glance for him; just got back on his bike and went. And I'm like, he had to know. That Garrett Thomas went over the side of the road. Like he had to know. It's it's part it's of like, the race. What do you, I mean, <laughs> I know. I'm just curious, that like what bad, the protocol is normally. Like, get yourself I mean, to I the finish line it, first. That's that's it. I know, but I want want to know what the like actual like unwritten rule is, not just what you think it is. Because <laughs> 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 I think that. I don't know. I just, I just wonder if there's any sort of etiquette. Like someone's like, no, bad, that was bad juju, man. That's bad juju to just knock him off and then leave him. Oh. But I don't know. I guess. So Interring posted a, in the Peloton. a French feed that had a little bit of footage right before the turn and with a little micro mm -hmm. close-up zoom in. And there was some bumping and grinding that completely took Bargy off his line. And I think he knew he had a horrible line. He was slamming on the brakes just to survive it. Um, he was just trying to not lock up his brakes and was doing everything yeah. he could to not go over himself straight off the cliff. So uh, I don't think it's, I mean, from what I saw, I don't think it's anybody's really fault other than, I mean, maybe it was TJ's fault if he, made a bad move and you know hip check bargy right in a crucial point yeah um but we're never you know we'll never get there and and figure it out so it's I, it's just part of the race i mean it sucks i'm sure he felt bad yeah. and i think they said he went over and apologized afterwards and made sure he was okay and he did yeah but uh, crap happens i just <laughs> yeah i think that I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody kind of realized that that happens. And I think Barky did feel bad because it did look like he had a shitty line and kind of. So in that sense, I mean, if I don't know. If you know you have a shitty line and you know you've caused somebody to crash, I don't know. I just. Ugh. 
but I guess yeah. I don't know if it was me I would have been like I would have felt so guilty I would have been like oh my god let me help you <laughs> but I'm not a bike racer so I would just be really curious and who knows like, if it was the two of them yeah. off solo and they had four minutes before anybody else was coming along he might have done that or if it was you know if he yeah. knew it was 100% his fault and didn't he wasn't just trying to survive that same turn himself. Yeah, I don't know. Right. Yeah. True. Anyway, okay, now we can really kind of end. Um, <laughs> I just saw that, and that, I was just curious what you thought about that. Third week, Alps should be exciting. Yes, that's the wrap-up for week three. So we won't have a wrap-up for a while, because I'm going to France on Thursday. So oh, that's right. Maybe when I get back, we'll do another podcast to wrap okay. it up when do you get back and talk about my experience on the uh august 7th so should be good uh all right well i think that's it um thank you everyone for listening uh, my name is anna and i if you want to find me on twitter i am at blue me cyclist you can find me at c fitty c underscore f-i-d-d-y and the pelotonized podcast is at Pelotonitis at Pelotonitis. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing tricky. Sorry. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our hundredth episode. I'm sorry it wasn't more exciting, but it was fun, and it's all been fun. It's all been worth it. <laughs> oh yeah. I just like talking about cycling. It so keeps us involved. That, keeps us keeping up. Indeed. Yes, it does. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you again in a couple weeks.